go to Luke chapter 13, uh, verse 13. This probably won't be very long tonight, if that's okay with you. Let me try to, I don't know, drag it a little bit, but I don't know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Luke 13 and 13, we've been talking about some different stories in the book of Luke, and uh, we're going to continue that. 13 to 13 it says and he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God let's just pray once more for this message tonight Jesus hallelujah we thank you God for what you're doing for your spirit that's here working I pray God that you would continue to move and minister in Jesus name God I pray that you anoint our ears to hear your word in Jesus' name, God, speak to our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, God, we give you all the praise and glory. You are worthy. In your name, amen. Amen. You can see it if you'd like. Um, obviously, uh, skipping over a few more stories. Uh, moving right along, as uh, the Muppets would say. <laughs> this story, um, it's not as popular as some of the more recent ones we've talked about. For some reason, I haven't heard a lot of people preach from this. Uh, it's unique to the Gospel of Luke, so it's only in this this book, and so we're just going to go through it um, tonight. In verse 10, it says, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. So this story starts off a lot, or like a lot of the ones we've talked about so far. We find Jesus, obviously, that's who he's talking about. He was teaching. In the synagogues, and that's what that's what he does. It would seem everywhere he goes, he shows up and he teaches in, in the synagogues. He he never misses a service. There's a, a lot of a lot of Jesus's ministry happens uh, outside on the street, but a lot of these stories that we've been reading about and focusing on also happened in the synagogue on the Sabbath day too. And so I think I think as a church or as churches. Um, or ministers or whatever, people can get caught up in it's one way or the other, one way of um, ministry or the other. I think like ministry, some you hear some people say ministry starts, uh, you know, when when you leave the building and everything's focused on, on focused on what we do out there, and then there's other people and everything's focused. The most important thing that happens is what happens inside the four walls of the church. And there seems to be these two kind of conflicting. Um, Ideas, I guess. And, but the truth is, if we're striving to be like Jesus, ministry happens wherever the need is. We see Jesus ministering um, weekly in the synagogue. We also find him on the streets. We find him in the desert. Wherever the need is in the house, it doesn't really seem to matter. Wherever, wherever the need is is where Jesus is. And that's where ministry should, should happen. So we need both. We need to inside and outside. This should be both. And so that last story we talked about, Mary and Martha, that was in a house. This one's in... A synagogue, so both are fine. Jesus works everywhere. So let's meet the the need of the the evening, shall we? Verse eleven. It says, And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. Verse uh, thirteen in the English standard says, And behold, there was a woman who had a 
disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. So Jesus is, is teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath, which is normal. And lo and behold, there's a woman. Behold, there was a woman. Seems to happen a lot. There's something, but there's something different about this, this woman. There's a spirit that has oppressed her. And I'm not going to get into the whole sickness from evil spirits thing and everything's from the devil or whatever. Um, according to this story, it can happen, yes. Um, if you read the book of Job, he, was, uh, he had boils all over his body because of something the enemy was trying to do against him. But that doesn't mean that every illness or affliction is from an evil spirit. Sorry. Sometimes you just have a cold because... It's February. Sometimes we have medical issues because it's hereditary, or we haven't been taking care of ourselves, or, you know, not everything is from, from the devil. But with this woman, it seems like it was a sudden type of thing that came upon her, something that happened, and no one could explain why. It was, she was afflicted by a spirit. And we don't know if the spirit possessed her or just oppressed her or whatever it was, but it kept her bent over. It was a spirit of infirmity or, and other versions say, a disabling spirit. It controlled her. It took away some of her ability. And for 18 years, she dealt with this thing. 18 years. For 18 years, she was bent over and could not straighten herself up. And that is a long time. She's been like this for a while. She's bent over. She's hunched over in pain for 18 years, and there's some debate over what the pain or the condition was, but most people believe that there was something that she had, and the only way she could um, get any um, reprieve from the pain would be, or relief from the pain would be just to bend forward a little bit. And after a while, her spine would fuse that way, and then well, now the pain's back, so now I got a, a little bit more. It's the only way to get relief. And eventually, after 18 years, we find her in the place that she is now, and she's completely bent forward. She can't straighten up anymore. She's just in a, in a state, completely bent over, can't straighten up. She couldn't straighten herself out, the Bible says. You know what I think is amazing about this woman? She's in pain. She's been like this for 18 years. She's hunched over. She's bent over. People are probably talking. Oh, there goes, you know, not everybody's walking like she would be walking. Maybe they gave her a nickname like Bent Bertha or something. I don't know. There she goes. There, there goes. What's her face there? Bent over. Oh, look at her hobbling along. I don't know. You know how people are. It's been a long time. She's been afflicted by this spirit, a disabling spirit or a spirit of infirmity. It's been a very, very long while. But yet, what does she do? Does she... Stay home and complain? Does she sit around and whine? Does she blame everyone else for her condition? No. She goes to the synagogue anyway. And if anyone had a reason to stay home from synagogue or service, it's this lady. She's in pain. She can't stand up. She probably has a hard time seeing where she's going. Right? Can't even imagine. You've seen, like, Master. What's his name there? But yet she hobbles herself to the house of the Lord. And this is important. It's important to come to the house 
of the Lord whenever you can. Don't make excuses. Just go and get yourself there. Growing up, um, we never missed church. Or if we did, it was very rare. I think I can count on one hand the amount of times I skipped or stayed home from church, even till now. In my life. I know now I can't. Because it would be kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> thought about it, no. But, it would... <laughs> but even when um, even when we were sick as children, my mom would make us come. She's like, no, you're sick. Doesn't matter. Best place to be when you're sick is at church. Because you can get prayed for and healed. So suck it up, buttercup, we're going to church. That was my mom. She'd bring us, we'd sleep under the pews, and that, you know, that's when services were three, four hours long. Good naps, but um, that's how it was. Even if uh, we went to youth events that were all night, we'd go to church the next morning. If it if it happened on you know Saturday Sunday night, and even if I, I worked overnight the night before, I would still get up and I'd go. And I remember there were man, just less than a handful of times or services I missed as a teenager. Um, you know, I was old enough, maybe I was. Faking it a bit. I'm fighting with my mom. She's like, fine, I gotta go because I'm gonna be late. And then, you know, a couple times like that, maybe I stayed. And it always seemed that the services I missed, all three or four of them, were those wild, crazy, you know, you know the ones. Running the aisles and everything's blowing up and people are going nuts and 14 people got the Holy Ghost. You know, those services, they were the ones that I missed, you know. And I'd always be a little bit upset. I'd always be a little bit grumpy that I missed it. And the same with my friends, you know, most of us, um, we, we went to church as much as we could. And but there, there'd be a few times a couple of them would miss, and that'd be the time. That'd be the service that everything was just, whew. and we'd all be like, well, you shouldn't have skipped church because it was crazy. And that's how it was. And that's, you know, there was an expectation among us. And you wanted to be at church. You wanted to be in the house of God every service because you never knew what was going to happen. It could be that blowout service. You know, sister so-and-so, she might take off dancing. And if you've never seen her do it, it's, it's wild. You know. <laughs> this person might pray through or there might be a message in tongues or a prophecy or something. The, the choir might sing that awesome song. and Everything just might go just great. And the message might be the one that you've been waiting to hear. You never knew. So you always went to church. You went to church because you didn't want to miss out on what God was going to do. At least that's how it was in my little um, circle of friends or whatever. Church was important. We needed it. And church hasn't changed, and Jesus hasn't changed. Our attitudes, I think, have maybe changed a little bit, and our expectation maybe has changed a little bit. So now we look for reasons to stay home, and the majority of them, if we're being honest, aren't very good. And if there's anyone that had a reason to stay home and say, you know what, I don't really feel like hobbling down the street to get to church or get to synagogue today, if anyone had a reason to stay home and say, I don't feel like going to the house of the Lord today. It was this woman. But yet, in spite of all of that pain, in spite of the looks or the stares, in spite of the, the pity, the uncomfortableness of her situation, in spite of being afflicted by this disabling spirit, we find her at the synagogue on the Sabbath day. She's in the house of the Lord. She didn't make excuses 
to stay home. She didn't look for reasons not to go. She didn't avoid it. She was faithful to the house of the Lord. And it's important that we are faithful to his house, even if it's been 18 years and it feels like nothing has changed. You don't want to miss it because you don't know what's going to happen. She was in the synagogue. She was exactly where she needed to be. And she met Jesus there. Verse 12, and it says, when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. So Jesus saw her. And again, he sees you. He knows where you are. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows what you are struggling with. Jesus seems to be the only one who knew what this situation was. He sees through the hunched back or he sees through the, the symptoms and he sees the actual issue, the spirit of infirmity. And he says one of these incredible lines. He says, woman, thou art loose. And that, that, that is a good one. Somebody took that and made a book out of it. But that is the line. Like that is, that's good. The woman, thou art loose. She's been bound for 18 years. She's been bent over for 18 years. She's been pressed down for 18 years. And she's been weighed down by this thing, the spirit, for 18 years. But she's been faithful. But yet she still comes to the synagogue. And she still comes to the house of the Lord. She's been carrying this weight, this pain, this issue for the last 18 years. And then in one moment, in one incredible moment in the presence of Jesus, she is loosed. Woman, thou art loosed. In verse 13, it says, he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. He called to her. Right? She responded. He spoke the word. He laid his hands on her. And she straightened up. All right, you ready? How does this happen? First, this woman has been over. She's bound for 18 years. I've said 18 years enough. You should probably remember by next week how many years it was. She's been over for 18 years, okay? So she brings herself to the house of the Lord in spite of this. She puts herself in the presence of Jesus in spite of this. And she does, she does that. She's the one that brought herself to the synagogue. She's the one that brought herself to the presence of Jesus, she does that. She fights through the pain. She fights through the uncomfortable feelings. She fights through all the looks and the stares and, and the, the whispers and all that stuff. She goes through that to get to him, to get to the synagogue. And she brings herself to the synagogue. Nobody else brings her. They don't carry her on a bed. They don't lead her by the hand. She goes on her own accord. And that's the first step. We need to bring, uh, we need to get ourselves into the presence of Jesus. If you want to be free from whatever it is, that has you bound and, and weighed down. If you want to be loosed, if you want to be delivered, the place to be is in his presence. The place to be is near Jesus. That's where deliverance happens. It all starts in the presence of Jesus. Do you remember what he said? We're going to say this a lot. But Luke 4, 18 and 19, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This woman was bound by a spirit, by a, a disabling spirit. This woman was captive by this infirmity. 
It's been a long time, but yes, she keeps going about her life. She keeps going and doing things as normal, as normal as she could. And she's probably forgotten what it's like to not be like this. 18 years is a long time. We don't know how old she was. I mean, if she's only in her 20s, that's most of her life. If she's, even if she's in her 30s, that's half her life. Doesn't say how old she was. Even if she's in her 70s, 18 years is a long time. And we can be like this, this woman. Not necessarily physical, but we can be afflicted with something. We can be hurt by something. It could be spiritual, it could be physical, it could be emotional. Some of us have had horrible, terrible things happen to us. Abuse, pain, broken homes, broken relationships. Things that have happened. And it can cripple us. And it can weigh us down. It can afflict us. We've been damaged by something. And maybe it was a long time ago and we don't even realize it anymore. We've just lived with it for so long. We've just dealt with it. We've just gone about our daily routine with whatever it is that's happened. But slowly over time, it's weighed us down. And we, we've, you know, just like this woman, she kept bending forward a little bit at a time to ease the pain. And then it come back and she'd do it again until she was completely bent over so much that she couldn't straighten up anymore. And this stuff is just weighed on us. And we just, okay, I was going to deal with it. And then we, okay, I'm in the place. Oh, it's not hurting anymore. And then it comes back again. And then before you realize it, you're just so weighed down and bent over under the pressure of this thing. It would have affected everything that she did. It would have affected how she saw the world, how she viewed things. She's so bent over, she can't straighten up. Everything looks different. Try it. Don't get stuck that way, though. Everything looks different. You can't see some things. You can't look around like you used to. You can't appreciate things like you used to. You get a good look at the ground, though. It changed how she viewed things, how she saw things. And like this woman, we've tried to deal with our affliction. We try to deal with the pain, and it, it stopped for a while, but then it comes back. And, and we try to deal with it again, and that worked for a bit. But over time, this situation, this pain, this moment in time, this thing that's happened that we've been holding on to and, and just weighing on us, it's weighed us down so much that it affects everything that we do. And we just live with it. We just went along with it. We just ignored it maybe and hoped that it would go away. And everything we do and everything we see is warped by it and skewed by it. And we don't see things like we used to. Everything is jaded. Everyone's out to hurt us now. Everything is warped. We don't trust people. We don't love like we used to because things have happened. We've been weighed down and we didn't even realize it. But here we are. And so if we follow in this lady's example, the first thing we need to do is continue being faithful. We need to get ourselves into the presence of Jesus. So you don't know what's going to happen. Go to church, read his word, call on his name, pray, worship, praise, do these things in spite of the pain, in spite of what has happened. I know it hurts. I know it's awkward. I know it's uncomfortable, but deliverance comes in the presence of Jesus. And once she was in his presence, 
Jesus called to her and she responded, right? He called and somehow she's close enough for him to lay hands on her. You don't, hey, lady, like right beside her. Obviously, she's a bit of a, a distance away if he's calling to her and she comes to him close enough that he can lay hands on her. She's moved closer to him. The next thing we need to do is listen to his voice. We get into his presence and we obey him. He calls and we answer. He called the man with a withered hand forward, remember? And he responded. And Jesus responded to that. He calls this woman and she responds. And if you are expecting Jesus to work in your life, you're going to have to let him do it. You're going to have to listen to him. You're going to have to obey him and his word. You're going to have to let him speak into your life. That's how deliverance comes. Through him, through his word, through us obeying his word. He said, woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. He spoke the word and she received it. And then... He laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. Get into his presence, obey his word, and let his spirit touch you. That is how deliverance comes. And this woman, she had to receive the word. She had to believe it. She had to try to stand up straight. Just like the man that was let down through the roof, Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. But he had to get up. He had to try to move those legs for the first time. He had to try to pick up that bed. He had to try to exercise that faith, right? There's a response to his word and his touch that we need. Woman, thou art loose. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm going to keep walking this way. I'm really used to it now. It's okay. I think I'll be fine. I don't really want to stand up. I don't really want to. I, I, I think I'm okay Child, you are delivered. I, I don't know. I've been this way for so long. My whole identity is, is kind of wrapped up in this thing. You know, I'm an addict or I'm a victim or I'm this or I'm that. You know, everything that I, everything I know about myself is tied up in this moment. And I don't know if I'm ready to let go of it. Woman, thou art loosed. We can't be loosed and try to hold on to the thing that we're being loosed from. She had to stand up. She had to take that step and stand up straight and let it work. Verse 13 again, it says, He laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Immediately she was made straight. As soon as, she, as, soon as he touched her, she was made straight. So my advice to you today, straighten up. You've been bowed down so long. Under this weight, under this pain, this identity. But in Jesus, 1 Corinthians 5 and 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All thing, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things are new. We have this promise. All of the old things, all of the things that weighed us down, all the things that have happened to us, we can let them go. We can be made new. That old identity we've been holding on to, we can let it go. She was known as the woman that was bent over. But once she was healed, she was no longer that person. Her whole identity has changed. Blind Bartimaeus was blind Bartimaeus until he was no longer blind. His whole identity was changed. He was a new person. She was a new person. 
that victim mentality, we can let it go. That old identity we've been holding on to, we can let it go. That pain, we can let it go. Straighten up. He's here. We are in his presence. He's come to bring deliverance. He's come to set free. He's come to make a difference. But we can't keep holding on to all that stuff. And I know it's been a while. I know it's weighed down on us for a long, long time. He said to us today, thou art loosed. Jesus wants to set us free today from that infirmity, infirmity, from that thing that's weighed us down, that spirit that's attached itself, that, that's hindered you, that's slowly over time become who you are. It's taken over your life and it affects how you see everything and how you live and how you go about your day. He wants to set you free. Thou art loose. Straighten up. Stand up. Trust his word. Trust what he says. Let it go and straighten up. And then what did this woman do? Verse 13 again it says he laid his hands on her immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Her response to deliverance was to glorify God. She responded in worship. She responded in praise. Which should be our response always. Worship and praise and glorify God. The rest of the story, verse 14, it says, And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said to the people, There are six days in which men ought to work, in them therefore come and be healed, but not on the Sabbath day. This is amazing. We could preach a whole other message about this guy. Jesus heals this woman, sets her free. 18 years she's been dealing with this thing. And the leader of the synagogue, the, I don't know what he would call him, the minister, the pastor, or whatever, the ruler of the synagogue, the guy that's in charge, <laughs> he gets so upset because this is a Sabbath, man. This isn't supposed to happen. You want to get healed, you come on Monday. Not today. This is the Lord's day. No healings today. This is what he's saying. He says to all the people that are there, he's like, you want to get healed and come another day because this is ridiculous. This is the Sabbath day. This shouldn't be happening. This is the Lord's day. Verse 15 to 16. And the Lord answered him and said, thou hypocrite. That's good. <laughs> Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to wandering, to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Remember at Christmas, we talked about how they would bring their animals in for the night. And then in the morning, they'd let them out. They'd open the door, and they would lead them out to where they could go. Right? They'd let them out in the morning. Jesus said, you let your animals free on the Sabbath, but I can't set this woman free? You're a hypocrite. She's been bound for 18 years. Your animals have just been in for the night. <laughs> That's another thing there. Another message if you want me. When we see animals as more valuable than people, then we have a problem. Amen. A lot of people are there now, but that's a different thing. When Jesus didn't come to save the, the oxen or the sheep or the donkeys, he came to save Humanity, he came to save our souls, and he will set you free any day of the week. That guy was right in that part. You want to, you want to be healed, you can be healed any day of the week. But he can also heal you on the Sabbath day, too. 
Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday morning. Doesn't matter. Come to him with your weight. Come to him with your burden. Whatever it is that's weighing you down. Matthew eleven twenty eight again, it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Whenever you are ready, and he is ready, whether it's the Sabbath, whether it's at the synagogue or church, whether it's at work, Sunday, Monday, you're in the woods driving your car. It doesn't matter. Whenever you're ready, come to him. Let Get into his presence. Let him speak. Receive his word. Obey his word. Let him touch you. Let him move. Receive it and straighten up. I know that sounds funny. Straighten up. You're all crooked. No. Whenever you're ready, it doesn't matter. I told you the story before about myself as a, as a teenager. And I just struggled with anger and rage and all that stuff. For seven years, I carried this stuff around. I didn't even realize how bad it was until one day I just blew up. And somebody said something to me. And I was like, wow, I just lost it. And then I thought, maybe they're actually right. Maybe I should just probably not be like this. And, and, and I, I've told you, I just... Uh, I went to my room and I prayed and I said, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't be this angry. I can't, I don't want to be like this. I can't, I need you to, to move. I need you to deliver. I need you to take this away from me. I don't want to be like this. And, then, and I know this presence come in in an incredible way. And in one moment, all of that anger, that rage that I've been struggling with and holding on to, in one moment that was all taken away and delivered. I was delivered from it, and I guess I, I, sometimes it does take time. I know that. There's some, sometimes we have to work through things, and it takes time. This is true. But if we don't ever come to him at all, it's never going to happen. If we don't ever put ourselves in his presence, it's never going to happen. Because, well, I tried once, and it didn't work. Well, it doesn't, it might take a couple times. I don't know. I don't know why it works that way. I don't know. I mean, that wasn't the first time I prayed, trust me. This wasn't the first time the lady went to the synagogue. I highly doubt she didn't go for 18 years and then just showed up. I don't know why sometimes it takes time. I don't know. But I do know that in a moment, in an instant, in his presence, he can deliver, he can set free, he can move in, he can do incredible things. And if we never put ourselves in that position, it's not going to happen. So we need to get into his presence. We need to listen to his word. We need to let him move and touch us. And straighten up, respond to it. That's so, yeah. Let's stand. I hope that made sense. I know what it's, I don't know.